guys doing today? You don't want to yell this time? No, we don't have to yell this time. Okay. All right. So welcome to episode two of A BJJ Marriage, where we talk about our married life and doing jujitsu together. Yeah. How yeah. did you do do do? <laughs> how jujitsu affects our marriage in a positive way and how it can change the lives in a negative way as well. Yep. So my name is Nick Lee. I'm a blue belt. I'm Brittany Lee. I'm a white belt. Working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And congratulations to our professor who just got his second degree on his black belt Woo! today in Brazil from Master Sauer, Master Pedro Sauer, which is freaking awesome. So yep. huge round of applause to him. Congratulations. Yes, super Very excited well for him. deserved. If anyone has ever rolled with Professor Brenton Fitzgerald, who just happens to be my dad and his father-in-law, if you've had the pleasure of rolling with him, you know that if you are stuck underneath him, you're not moving, and you're probably going to get submitted. It just doesn't really change. <laughs> yes. If you've ever tried to describe your jiu-jitsu game in three words, his is, I am here. <laughs> and yeah. there's no better way to put it. That's a fun game, though. If you ever try to think of your own jujitsu game in like three words alone. Yep. We're not doing this right now because I don't want to take too long thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's fun stuff. But, but yeah. this week we wanted to talk about uh, injury prevention and soreness that comes inherently from doing jujitsu all the dang time. Yeah. Obviously, jujitsu works a lot of different muscles in your body, and we constantly are feeling different pressure points and different pretty much everything every muscle that you've never really imagined using before you're probably feeling once you start jujitsu once you're as far in it as nick is or even me being at a much shorter time than he is then you kind of just get used to it and your muscles are used to being contracted like that however i know that we do have a couple white belts in our gym who are like oh my gosh i'm so sore all the time and i remember when i started i was sore all the time too yeah. I was my arms were sore, my legs were sore, my butt was sore, everything was sore. But I think it's just kinda of comes with time and once you learn how to use those muscles a little bit better, then that kinda of goes away. Not saying you won't ever be sore again. Right. I mean, it's a whole body workout and you use a lot of your core, you use a lot of your legs, and you use a lot of your arms just to begin with. Um and legs. your spine and your, your neck. Legs. Your neck is a huge thing that yeah you know, is overlooked in any other kind of, you know, uh, weightlifting setting or body conditioning. But you start to put that together. And if you've ever been to the gym before, if you've ever, you know, started running or ever started any sort of weightlifting or really any sport, you start to find muscles that are specific to that sport that get sore very quickly. A yeah. lot of other sports aren't as, you know, you don't go every day as you can find yourself doing in jiu-jitsu pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But Well, the thing about jiu-jitsu that we commonly talk about in our gym is that when you are training with your partner, you are able to do something over and over and over and over and over. So if you're training for MMA, you do one knockout punch, they're done. Your training's done for the rest of the day. But for jiu-jitsu, you can keep practicing that armbar. You can keep practicing that pressure pass. You can keep practicing that guard pass. You can keep doing that over and over. And if you're rep- or if you're doing all that repetition on that same muscle group over and over, of course you're going to feel it the next day. Yep. And the worst part about it is it's super fun. So <laughs> you just keep doing it and you keep keep up building that technique. And then, uh, you know, two days later, you're like, oh my goodness. Yep. 
Feel it there. <laughs> I feel like I got hit by a truck. I didn't even know I used that muscle ever in my life. Yes, which is very common for any beginner in jiu-jitsu because you do end up using your whole entire body. It's a complete movement throughout every single technique. You know, you, there's not many techniques where it's just move your arms, so you're going to move your hips. Okay, just use your legs. No, you're going to use your shoulders to bridge up to use your legs. It's all it's always connected in jiu-jitsu. Use your bicep to get that underhook. You can use your leg to push them down. You're going to do all these different muscle groups all the time. So soreness just kind of comes with the game. And we're here to talk about some remedies that we do to help deal with our soreness. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, first and foremost, you always want to drink a bunch of water. <laughs> no. Which is going to help. Water is for chumps. <laughs> I mean, you can drink dirty bean water all the time like I do. Dirty bean water is fun. Mm-hmm. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Mm. Coffee's great. There's a couple of us on Saturday mornings when we go that we just drink coffee instead of water with our workouts. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe don't do that right away. Maybe not. <laughs> but, I mean, I do like to drink caffeine before I go to class. I know a couple of people, they take pre-workout before they go to jiu-jitsu. Which, why, why is that a thing? I mean, you need that extra boost sometimes. No, no, you do not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Yes, do it. You're I mean, not going and lifting a 300-pound, just trying to muscle your way through it. You do not need to be taking pre-workout before you do I mean, Joe used to weigh like 300 pounds. Brett might be close to 300 pounds. <laughs> Are we going to go lift them? We're going to go bench them? Yeah, that's how jiu-jitsu works. You just, bah, push them right. right off. No, don't take pre-workout. I highly not recommend <laughs> yeah but um but yeah hydration just in general and whatever you're putting into your body it's going to make you feel better versus make you feel worse if it's junk food you're gonna feel like junk if you eat healthy food you're going to feel better just in general yeah also hydrate before you go to class too if i've noticed in my experience that if i don't have enough water throughout the day and i'm going to an hour-long class and an hour-long rolling session afterwards i'm just done i'm pooped like if I, but the days that I have more water, I just I feel better. I feel like I'm more on my game because think about how much you sweat when you're doing when you're doing jujitsu when you're just rolling around. You could be even flowing and you can still come out like he can be ringed out, wrung out and everything. So yeah, imagine all the water that you're getting out of your body. So try to think about that by putting it into your body before you start your session. And one of the worst things that happens when you're rolling with people is a cramp. Uh. <laughs> You get a cramp in your foot, you get a cramp in your calf. The calf Typically, ones are the worst. your legs are where you get your cramps first, and it just feels awful. Uh huh. And then you'll be done rolling with someone, and they'll be like, why'd you stop halfway through? And you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've been cramping for the last minute. I was trying not to die. <laughs> trying to, you know, survive. Oh, yeah, my foot cramps are the worst. There'll be times, because you use your feet for hooks and everything, so you're constantly moving back and forth, and then sometimes you get there, and it's like, oh, I'm stuck. Yes, so yeah, cramps, they don't help at all. No. So stay hydrated. <laughs> Lots of water. And Gatorade, you drink Gatorade too. Yeah. So Gatorade helps, uh, especially if I'm doing like a Muay Thai session directly into Jiu Jitsu. When I'm getting my gi on, I'm bringing a Gatorade to the changing room to hydrate myself in between because you need to stay hydrated to keep your muscles working. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know before the last competition, one of our teammates. Uh, gave me a Pedialyte, and that seemed to help a lot, too, with the salt intake and the hydration. And that can be always a good one, too, especially, I know this is going back to our episode one competition, but when you're preparing, make sure you're hydrated. 
and be like trying to help out with that too. Yeah, especially <clears throat> if you have a hard weight cut, if you are cutting weight for any sort of tournament. Yeah, so that would be step number one, making sure you're taking care of what you put into your body. And then one thing that we really do to mitigate our soreness in jujitsu is pick how we're gonna roll throughout the day and then stick to that plan. Mm -hmm. So we go, I go six times a week. I probably go over 15 classes a week of jujitsu and Muay Thai. So, you know, if I rolled 100% every time, I'm pretty sure my body would be falling apart at this point. Probably. Right, and she goes five days a week yeah, also. Yeah, I go Tuesday through Saturday, close to be between like 10 and 12 classes a week. So that can, mm -hmm. it can definitely be rough on your body if you're not taking care of yourself. Right. So one thing that we do is we pick days. Okay, Wednesday is the main no-gi class. I'm going to roll a little bit harder on that day. Mm -hmm. Thursday is a beginner class, right? A lot of times I help coach that class. And I'm not, you know, really looking to kill all the white belts that come to beginner class. So that's a day that I choose to roll lighter with everybody. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still technically a beginner, so... It's a little bit different for me. I can't just go super, super light with someone because I am also a lot smaller than them. So if I'm going with a brand new wrestler, no strike white belt male, and I'm just trying to get myself to stay alive throughout that, I mean, it's definitely different. But Thursdays is kind of the day that I choose to just not roll, I guess. So I'll go to the classes, I'll go to Muay Thai, I'll get my workout and my sweat and everything. Maybe I'll drill a little bit, but Thursdays is kind of like the midpoint day of the week that I'm like, okay, well this week I'm just gonna, or this day I'm just gonna kind of relax and okay. not work, overwork my body. Right, and rolling hard versus <laughs> rolling light is defined by when I'm rolling light, I'm using basically 100% as much technique as I can and putting maybe 20% strength behind that technique, right? But rolling hard doesn't mean, ah, oh, I'm gonna spaz, I'm gonna be as strong as I can, blah, 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 blah. That means that I'm going to put more strength behind the techniques that I'm working. So a lot of times when I'm rolling with people on a light day, I treat it more as a flow roll, right? And if I see a submission, I'm going to push for it. I'll push a little bit harder, maybe closer to 40% to finish. But a lot of times if it's not happening right away and I have to force that submission, that means I'm supplementing my technique with strength, which if you do that all the time, you're gonna wear out your body and you're never gonna learn the technique. So those light days is where I get to sharpen up the technique where I've learned, oh, if I move this angle on this Americana, that makes it much easier just to torque their shoulder the right way where they're gonna tap instead of, you know, having to for it. push them flat against the mat and, you know, crank their elbow to the sky because there's a, every technique has a most efficient way of completing it where you, you should be using your whole body and not needing to just use strength. Mm -hmm. And for people who do weightlifting as well and they have never tried jujitsu before, it kind of compares to that as well. So you can go deadlift 300 pounds if you feel like it because you have the strength, you have the muscles to do it, but maybe you're trying to work on your posture a little bit better. Maybe you're trying to work on your footing position a little bit better. So you're gonna drop down in weight so that you can get even more reps and still get the high workout in or you're just trying to focus on your technique, and that's kind of how it works with jujitsu as well, is when you're in that flow state, you don't have to be going 100% and pounding the person on bottom and constantly trying to be working those submissions and really fight for that arm. Like You can really just go into a flow state and figure out your technique and still be moving your body, still be working those muscles, 
but not making it to the point where you're sore the next day. Right. And then when you roll when you're going harder in a day where maybe you're going 80% or maybe if you got some competition rounds, that's where you really fill up your technique with as much strength as you can put behind it at some times or you put more into your technique. So it doesn't mean, you know, just trying to smash and be as heavy as possible and be as rigid as possible because that's not how jiu-jitsu works anyways. If you are a plank versus a wet blanket, you know, if you pick up the plank on one end, you're gonna move the whole thing. But a wet blanket, you have to pick up the entire thing to move it, you know? Well, jiu-jitsu was created too by Master Elio, and he was a very small man. He was a 150-pound man. And he designed jiu-jitsu so that the smaller person can outlast the big muscle man. And so if you are stuck in some bar fight, God forbid, and they just are keep pounding on you and they keep trying to muscle through, as long as you can find your space and your angles, you can outlast them because they're going to be using all of their strength and all of their energy to try to break you down. But you're just going to be just flowing, finding your space, finding your angles, getting to be where you need to be, and not overworking yourself while doing it. Yep, you'll be using your skeletal structure. You'll be, you know, using, like she said, spaces and angles because that's how you really make the best leverage out of your body. And then, you know, muscle just adds into all of that stuff. Yeah. It's also funny, just kind of thinking about the flow state, too, that a lot of new people, a lot of new white belts, I would say, like, anyone under two stripes, probably, maybe even one stripe and under, they don't like flow rolling. They just don't like it because, one, they don't know enough technique to try to do it. And, two, they're just so used to, when they're doing something, putting the 100% effort into it. And I was just talking to one of the females at the gym and she, I was going to flow roll with her and she's like, oh, I don't like flowing. And I was like, you know, I really didn't either for a long time because it's hard to get your brain to think when your body wants to move some way, when okay. your body has its natural reaction to try to turn your belly instead of your back and things like that. So <clears throat> it definitely is something that you have to train your brain to do. But flow rolling is probably the best way to continue your jujitsu technique, continue the way that you want to do things and not be sore the next day. Most definitely. And when you flow versus being rigid, your risk of injury goes down dramatically because, you know, you're not fighting that submission with strength that somebody's trying to put on you. And then, you know, you're rigid and you move your body and then all of a sudden that submission gets tighter. But when you're flowing, you just kind of, you know, as Bruce Lee would say, you become the bull <laughs> as water. Um, and you will find a way that you can flow out of that or you're just going to tap which is fine too because if you're not tapping you're not learning yeah the more times you tap in a row the more you learn the more you get out of it anyway right but we yeah we try to incorporate flow rolling into our routines quite a bit as we both said we we both train a lot i would say we're probably in the top 10 percent of the people there who are there the most and we have to make sure that we're taking care of our bodies when we're doing that we can't just be going 100% all the time. We can't be doing competition rolls every class that we're there. And mm -hmm. competition rolls are great. You learn so much from it, but it's not feasible to do every single day when you're there. So, right. like we said, when we go all the time, like Tuesdays, that's my very hard day because it's my first day back. Wednesdays, it's a no-gi day, so it's totally different. There's no grips involved. It's just a whole bunch of other random stuff that we're not even going to get into right it's now. slippery. <laughs> yeah, you just wiggle. And then... <laughs> Thursdays is kind of my relaxing rest day because it's beginner class and then 
Fridays is normally competition class because it's a little mm-hmm. bit harder that day, and then Saturdays yep. get back to just kind of doing what you want with your store. You go live if you're not, do whatever you want, as long as you're going with your partner's speed too, and you're yep. not trying to out-muscle them. Yeah, and a lot of times when I'm rolling, I match the intensity of my partner also because, you know, I don't want to have to outwork them, but I also don't want to just let them steamroll me all the time. So a lot of times I match what they're giving me and put it into them. And, you know, some of the overzealous white belts, I will put them in check by uh, <laughs> um, showing them how the technique against their strength kills their strength and I can see it in their faces like every time they get swept when they're you know just like holding me down as much as possible or um, anytime that they're trying to just put pressure into me without technique and then I'm just like whoop and then their faces mid-sweep goes oh that's how that works. Jiu-Jitsu is called the gentle art for a reason and I don't think a lot of new people really understand that until they start getting technique down. Because if you were to look at a white belt match in a competition versus a black belt match in a competition, there's a totally different style there. And not only just because they've been doing it for so long that they just know so much more, but two white belts are just going to be going at it, trying to kill each other, taking them down, trying to get that submission as hard as they can, working like two all those bolts. Yeah. Slamming heads. Oh my goodness, it's scary. It's really scary. But then if you watch black belts, it's very technical. Like, neither one of them are going at it to each other. They're just trying to figure out their space, their angles, trying to figure out what the next person's going to do. They're thinking eight steps ahead. They're not thinking of, oh, you're here, I want you there. They're thinking, you're here, how am I going to get you to the position that I want? And it's just, it's totally different. And that's why they call it the gentle art, because you have to learn what your opponent is going to do and you can't force them to go somewhere. My dad would disagree with me, but. (laughs) (laughs) You can force them. What you do is you make them want to go there and then, you know, faint that yeah. attack. But basically what I was trying to get to is that jujitsu is a gentle art. Treat it as a gentle art. You don't need to be going in 100%. There's a reason white belts are called badger white belts. And there's a reason that it takes a while to get your stripes mm-hmm. to not be a badger white belt anymore. That's fair. But, yeah, I would Shout say... Shout out to all the badger white belts. All of our favorite Spazzy White Belts. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was there too. He was there too. I mean, he came from being a gym broad from going to 210 to what, you're 175 now? 170? So yep. he lost all the weight doing it, but he used to be just this big, muscled dude. And I wasn't around for your one and two stripe and even three stripe White Belt pounds, no. but he, <laughs> I can only imagine a 210 pound guy who loved lifting weights was yep. probably not the easiest person to roll with. Yep, he used to be a weightlifter and a skateboarder. So I had good balance and I was strong. And that's what I heard from my opponents all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you're strong. Spazzy white belt. That's not a compliment if someone tells you you're strong. No. <laughs> no, it's definitely something you have to train your brain to get out of. But yeah. Kind of going off of the flow rolling area, another big step into helping injuries and helping your soreness is take a rest day. Like, there are people out there who just want to train, 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 and never give their body a break. What do you mean, Dave? I mean, you. (laughs) (laughs) True. I have to tell him, like, no, you really don't have to go to that class again today. Like, you've already been to three. You don't have to continue. (laughs) Yeah. 
Tuesdays, there's 6 a.m. class, there's 6 p.m., there's 7 p.m., and then there's 11 p.m. And I really thought about doing it all, but I decided (laughs) not to do 11 (laughs) p.m. Yeah, but give yourself a break. Like, I know we both know as much as anyone that it's fun and it's it's just a great experience, not only for your mind and your body, but the social aspect of it, getting out of your house during the pandemic aspect of it, like everything about jujitsu is fantastic. And I really encourage anyone who has never tried it to go try it, but mm-hmm. give like, know your body, know your limits. Cause obviously as you get older, your body can't really handle as much. So the people who have been brown belts and are black belts, they all know what their body can handle. And they know, oh, I can't start training until I warm up. I need to do these specific warm-ups to get my muscles, yep. like, moving and ready and engaged. Like, Josh and Mike, they won't mm-hmm. even go on the mat until they've warmed up. Yep. And our black belts, like, they know, and my dad, for example, once he cools down, he's done. If he cools down and he goes back up, that's when you start getting hurt. So you really have to learn your body, learn what times you need to rest on, whether it's a whole day or whether you just need to sit for a couple minutes in between matches, like, I would just highly recommend trying to figure out your body style and give yourself the rest that adjusts to your needs. Yeah, and that was a good point that you brought up too. A lot of people don't look at warming up and don't look at cooling down after they're done. So we have a few people in our gym that always do some stretches beforehand, um, do what they need to. They come a little early to class specifically to you know roll their muscles out, uh, to work up their heart rate, to warm up, to get ready. To do class to drill and then to roll and then afterwards they also take that time for themselves to stretch out and uh, take care of anything that might be sore immediately after rolling right then and there which helps the recovery a ton yeah and i mean by the time you're a brown belt black belt you pretty much got it down you know what moves you can and can't do you know how your body reacts to certain movements like you once you find out what you need to do, what you need to stretch out, how you need to calm down and in the role and what, just all of it, it's a science. The whole thing is just a science. It's all building a bunch of little <laughs> habits on top of each other over and over and over forever. That's what jiu-jitsu is. You wouldn't know anything about habits. Nope. <laughs> I've never formed a habit in my entire life. For those who don't know, he's a habit coach, in case you're wondering. Uh, the, my Odyssey habit coach. Let me know if you want to change any habits. <laughs> helping the soreness aspect of it but I know we haven't we briefly touched on injuries mm-hmm. the injuries is a, a huge part of jujitsu just because we are unaware of how we can get injured until it happens well the gentle art it's still a sport it's still combat sport yeah the martial are, art there's there's always room to be hurt as long as you just have to figure out what you can and can't do to not get there but one thing that's always going to happen is a white belt is going to knee you in the face. <laughs> and that's just inevitable. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people do wear mouth guards, which helps prevent any sort of teeth injury. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of people chew gum to help them breathe better mm-hmm. and to, you know, keep their tongue out of their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> because you got gum there and you can't chew with your tongue in your teeth. Um, but I typically always roll with my tongue on the roof of my mouth and my jaw closed just so that I don't get knocked yeah. in the jaw. Not feel good. It never feels good. 
(laughs) (laughs) And it happens somewhat consistently. But you start to build that habit of being aware of where the needs are coming. And as you get, as you grow in jujitsu, your injuries typically are less prevalent. They happen less because you're aware of where knees and legs and arms are flying. Because everybody has similar habits in jujitsu, there's similar things that work from positions that people typically go for. But uh, other injuries include like lots of mat burn. When you first start out, mat burn on your feet. Oh my goodness. Mat burn on your elbows and knees, especially if you're (laughs) going for lots of shots or takedowns. It's totally going to happen. Like, don't think that it's not going to happen to me. I know how to know. It will happen to you when you start. Like, it just will. You have to learn how to not let it happen to you. And sometimes it still happens to even higher belts because maybe they got to get their foot dragged in the wrong direction and it shouldn't have went that way. Yeah. And you build calluses on your feet. But they do, there are grappling socks, which I, which I used to use when I started out because my mat burn was so bad and it would never get a chance to heal. So you can get grappling socks, which give you a little bit of grippies on the bottom of your feet and they protect the top of your feet. And then the other thing I do for like mat burn is I always wear um, spats for my knees. So um, either like some leggings or spats, they're super easy to find, but you just wear them under your nogi shorts. And they protect my knees just from mat burn. Because I hate mat burn. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't even wear shorts when I uh, train. Just because I don't like my knees on the bare mats. I think that I can tear them up pretty easily. So I'm yeah. the only one to wear spats, but leggings. I, I mean, I can't just wear spats. <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> but you might get judged a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's not fair, women. But You can yeah. just go to the grocery store in your leggings and be fine. If I just go to the grocery store and like, Spats because it's comfortable. People look at me like there's some issues. Well, must suck to be a man. <laughs> must suck to be a woman. <laughs> I can wear leggings out in public. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. But yeah, that's <laughs> a big one. Just watch your feet. It's it's probably still gonna happen to you even when you're watching it. But just and then with that, I would just suggest like neoporin and keep it out of running water. I remember after my first competition, oh my, my feet were just covered in mat burn. And I had to literally sit with my foot out of the water or out of the tub because the water hitting it was just so painful. But that's really just, you have to let it heal. You can't really do too much more other than that. Cover it up so that it doesn't bleed on the mat, too. <laughs> yeah. Put some band-aids on it while you're training. Yep. This week, uh, I got some elbow burn. <laughs> and I was wearing a rash guard, a long sleeve rash guard, and a white gi. And then she's like, hey, why are your elbows bleeding? And I was like, oh no. (laughs) I had bled through my long sleeve rash guard into my white gi and it was coming out the other side of the gi. And I was like, thanks, Laura. Yeah, that didn't even happen in training jujitsu. How did that happen to you? That happened because we were doing some stupid ass, (laughs) like, seal belly walks where you have to take your elbows, dig into the ground, and pull your torso forward without doing using your legs at all Ugh. as part of our strength and conditioning workout. I think about how seals and walruses move about their habitat. That's what she made them do. And you got mat burn from it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, I hate mat burn. <laughs> mat burn is definitely one of the most mild injuries that you can get. Clearly, you can get a lot more hurt than that. Yeah. At this very moment in time, I've actually injured myself. Not to the point where I'm disabled or anything, but in the last competition, I did get my 
chest was extended to the point where my sternum actually popped and I can feel it on my left rib that it is very tight and swollen and I'm having a very hard time breathing in heavy and sneezing, hiccuping, all that stuff really hurts a lot. If I laugh too hard, the belly mm-hmm. laughs, they hurt. So I've actually been out of commission for from the gym for about two weeks now. This is probably the longest I've been without rolling because yep. injuries will do that. But I'm being smart about it because even though I can walk and even though I can move around and do things and do, because I have been working out a lot still, I'm just doing things that don't compress my chest at all yep. or make me extend out. And people keep telling me, like, maybe you can try this move. And I try it. And I'm like, no, I feel it. I should probably stop. Yep. So Don't listen to your body. That's where my next point is coming in is that when you're injured, listen to your body. Don't push it further than it can go. I would like to do this sport for <laughs> Dave <laughs> a long period of time. And just jumping right back in right now with my sternum being in the condition that it is is probably not the smartest. So right. if you're injured, stay off the mats. Do what you can. And know that they'll still be there when you're coming back. But at the same time, her rib is connected to her whole body. So there's not much she can do about that. But you can find opportunity if you're injured a little bit. So I had my elbow injured in the last competition because I didn't tap early enough to an arm bar because I was being dumb <laughs> to begin with. You I really thought it. about breaking his arm. I thought, I thought about it. <laughs> it's not worth it. That's not worth it. <laughs> when Don't it was happening, that. I felt it. It was like... And I was like, eh. And I was like, okay, no, I should tap. (laughs) And uh, now my elbow is just finally healed. It's been a month and a half, about two months. And now I can use it about 98% of what it used to be. But whatever. But at the same time, I tucked my arm Mm -hmm. and um, let people know, you know, I'm not using this arm at all. And then just rolled with one arm and figured out, how to roll as if I didn't have an arm, which is fun to do sometimes. It's always a good challenge, too. Like, sometimes you can use injuries to your advantage. So with his elbow, or if maybe your foot is hurting or something, just don't use that foot. Try the shrimp on the one foot or yep. move around. Don't use that foot for submissions. Try to use your other side. And... Yeah, we've got someone with a broken toe right now. He's just oh. not using that foot. Yeah. I know I hurt my shin a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, I didn't use my leg for a few rolls, which was weird, but if I felt any pressure or anything... That's the other thing I did is tap. You know, if I felt anything uncomfortable on my injuries, I'm not pushing it. Just tap out. It's mm-hmm. fine. And that brings up another huge topic for preventing injuries is if at any time you are in a compromised position and maybe you're not sure what to do to get out or maybe you're not sure how to defend or you feel like you can't even move, just tap out. Yeah. That's the number one way to not get injured. In jiu-jitsu. Remember, we tap just early, talked about tap this. often. You can do the same move over and over and over and over and over again. That's the beauty of jujitsu. But if you don't tap and you end up snapping your arm, oh, you can't do that move anymore. And God knows how long it's going to be before you can do that move again. So just tap. It's yeah. so not worth it. You want to keep going. You want to keep moving. Don't let your ego get in the way of your freaking body trying to tell you to just tap. Unless you're Tony <laughs> Ferguson. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but Tony Ferguson's getting paid millions of dollars to go out there. Or maybe not. Maybe close. Two millions of dollars to get out there in the cage, right? So it makes sense for him to push his body to his limit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're in the gym, when you're at a local competition, just freaking tap. Don't yeah. let your ego injure you. Yes. It's not worth it. No. No. So 
because the only reason we don't want to tap is because we don't want to lose. Right. Well, you know what? You learned. Anytime you lose, you learn. Yep. Or maybe you're in a bad position with someone who's lower ranked than you, and they have you in a pretty good position where you're thinking about tapping. Just tap. It's so not worth it because normally that person who's lower ranked than you probably, if they're hurting you, is probably not doing it the best way that they should and then you're going to get injured and maybe you can help them out to sharpen it up a little bit more and then you can keep practicing it rather than just being like, oh, no, you kind of just ruined that part and I can't work with it anymore. Actually, if you're a higher belt and there's a lower belt attacking you, you can stop the roll and just tell them how to finish it better and you don't have to tap out. I should start using that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, hey, you can uh, finish this triangle better if you uh, just cut the angle. Or you let me out of it first, and then let me get into side control, and then we can restart. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Uh, We're too close to the wall, bro. We gotta reset. (laughs) Oh, you're pushing me off the map, man. Oh, we're too close to the black belts. Roll, reset. <laughs> it's different with kids though too. With kids we actually do have to make them tap even when they're not ready to tap. Yeah. If their arm gets straight, you have to tap them and they get really mad about it. They really don't like it when you tell them that. But at the same time we're trying to prevent injuries for them. Because sometimes kids are a little bit of gumby and they can just keep moving and twisting and yeah, doing all this stuff and I don't know if you guys know anything about heel hooks, but when it twists the knee you don't feel it until you feel it and then it's too late to turn back. And that's how we feel with our children, too, is we have to, as soon as that arm goes straight, they're tapped. As soon as that triangle gets sucked in, you tap. Like, even if they're not ready to, we just got to prevent them from having any substantial injuries to them. Yep. But yeah, that's the biggest thing. Our ego wants us not to tap, wants us to fight out of it. And as you gain experience, you know more so where your body can go before you really do need to tap. But until you gain that experience, until you've tapped to that Americana a hundred times, a thousand times, you you don't know that definite where I need to tap zone yet. So especially when you're beginning, that's where you're going to get injured the most. And that's where you need to tap early and tap often. And like I said earlier too, even if you're just pinned down and you have like no way to get out of there and somebody starts getting a submission on you and you have like, you can't move. It's okay to tap and like figure out like what happened <laughs> because that's something you need to learn anyways obviously if you can't move tap early and tap often you said that and i just want to say it one more time tap early and tap often it's how you get the most experience that's how you learn too you know and if you find that somebody is tapping you out with the same thing over and over that's when you know hey i'm gonna ask this person about that submission so that i can learn it you know, hopefully they're not a dick and just are like, nope, figure it out, kill myself. <laughs> Another thing that you can do too for injuries and soreness as well is if you know someone who specializes in taking care of the body, so such as a chiropractor or a physical therapist or a masseuse or anything like that, I would just talk to them, see if they have any more recommendations for you. We have quite a few people at our gym who actually do specialize in that. I know we have our Muay Thai instructors and masseuse, one of our Luba Flora, she's a personal trainer, and our friend Michelle, she works on the body just as her living, and she has a tin tan. That thing is fantastic. I would always use a tin tan whenever you can, if you can. Also, our professor is a personal <laughs> trainer. Yeah. But. Her yeah. dad. He gives you bad advice, so I don't listen to him. 
He's gonna die. He's like, you're fine. You can keep rolling. Go away. Just gonna be a podcast of me from the future. <laughs> but no, I would definitely talk to professionals who would know how to help you a little bit better too. If you're feeling an ache or a soreness in your in your back or your leg or something, have them rub it out for you. But yeah, rub it out for you. I hate you so much. That's what she said. Oh my goodness. But <laughs> it's always good to smooth out those muscles a little bit more just to help you continue in the future. I know that we like to use our Theracane a lot. I have it here actually in front of me, and it literally just looks like a cane, like a walking cane, but it has a bunch of different nodules on it so that it can get into the crevices or hit those deep tissues or underneath your scapula for one is a really good one or get behind your neck where your thumbs can't hit the pressure point yeah. and it's just this is one of the greatest things that i think has ever been invented yep. especially for it helps you massage the spots with a lot of pressure that you normally can't reach on your own body so you know a lot of times you get neck soreness especially oh gee king classes last night and now my neck is going to hurt for the next two days mm -hmm. you can massage it out with the theracane by you know putting pressure into those spots of your neck that need to get massaged. Mm -hmm. I would highly suggest not letting Nick Lee rub down your neck because then you might be out and injured for three weeks. I'm not great at massages. <laughs> I have found out. So when I was pretty new, brand new, I think I was only training for about a month at the time. So I was that sadly white belt. I was probably going way too hard then, probably harder than I should have. And I was getting sore. I was getting hurt. And I remember one night I was like, oh, my neck, it's just, it's really bothering me right now. I can feel it. I feel like I'm going to be very sore tomorrow. And Nick was like, I'll rub it for you. I don't know what he did, but he pressed something wrong to the point where <laughs> I could not turn my neck for three weeks. And that was uh, not an exaggeration. I think it was probably two full weeks that I could not turn my neck. I couldn't even drive because I couldn't look in my blind spot. I woke up screaming in the middle of the night because I had to pick my head up. Well, now she's being dramatic. No, I'm not. I am not. Don't let someone who doesn't know the body rub you down because then it might just make it worse. I thought you liked when you got rubbed down. I do love him, though. It's okay. <laughs> I swear. Train me I mean, very significantly, I, tried. I promise. <laughs> I really tried. I had good intentions. He had right? good intentions. <laughs> Brings up the emphasizing point that you should talk to a professional. Yeah, it did not work out for me. Sometimes your spouse is not the person who needs to be massaging your injured area. I tried, okay? <laughs> like right now, he's nowhere, he can't go near my sternum. Nope. <laughs> Sad day. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I don't know, I would just suggest everything that we said hydrate take care of your body listen to your body talk to professionals just do what you can this was actually brought up to someone brought up by someone from our gym asking us to talk about injuries and soreness and it's a very good topic to bring up especially for week two for people who are thinking about starting or just want to hear our thoughts on it mm -hmm. there's also a couple <laughs> of other things that we do uh invest in an ice pack oh yeah to help with any sort of swelling uh -huh. or a heat pad Huh. Helps you work through all of that also. And um, I also really do enjoy Tiger Balm. Or there's um, you know many, many CBD rubs that you can get. And I've found that the CBD rubs have helped out any sore spots on my body mm -hmm. even more than Tiger Balm. So it's basically Tiger Balm with CBD in it. 
But it smells better than Tiger Balm. <laughs> yeah. Our dogs don't growl at it. <laughs> <laughs> they put their teeth up at it. They're yeah. like, they smell like. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> but CBD balm is very helpful. We have a hot one and an ice one, so that when it rubs onto you, you can feel either like it's an icy hot, but it's one or the other, and they can really help with whichever soreness that you tend to have that you have. And I would try both of them out if you can. Mm-hmm. They're great. And braces. So like a elbow sleeves, if your elbow is getting sore, or ankle sleeves or knee braces, uh, especially when you start out and you're taking lots of shots, and you kind of drop on your knee over and over, you're going to demolish your kneecaps. Yeah. Inadvertently, without even knowing about it. And then you're gonna be like, oh man, my knees feel awful. Yeah. So you're gonna start to buy some knee pads. <laughs> For a really long time, I thought that my right knee was just going to be permanently bruised. Like I didn't think I was ever gonna let it heal. It wasn't bad, but it was to the point where every time I landed on it, I was like, oh yeah, I could feel that internal bruising there. Yep. So I invested in some knee pads, and it's been magic for me. Yes. And all of this stuff you can find, you know, at your local store for pretty cheap or online for pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. And those little things really do help you out, especially if you're training all the time. Mm-hmm. Because that's the blessing of jujitsu is you get a workout, and it's super fun the whole time you're doing it. And then, you know, later on you're like, man, I'm super sore, but I had so much fun doing it. But you get super fit, like she said. I used to be 205, 210 pounds before I started Jiu-Jitsu. Now I'm around 170, 175. So that's a significant amount of weight loss. But, you know, I used to be bulkier. I probably had more of a dad vibe. I was pretty thick at that point in time. I'm only 5'10". But, I mean, you were a straight muscle. Yeah, I was all muscle, but, I mean, I wasn't, like, cut. Yeah, he's lean muscle now. Yeah, and now I'm pretty cut. Yeah. Like... You can see muscle definition throughout my entire body. Mm-hmm. And that comes from conditioning over and over through jujitsu and Muay Thai really cut a lot of that, a lot of the extra out. I'd say I lost 30 pounds through jujitsu and then another 10 pounds after that just from Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to kick something for three minutes straight, oh but holy shit, is that a workout? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I was the same way. I was probably around 160 before I started, and it was definitely the biggest I've ever been in my life. I'm not saying that's big, but the biggest personally for me. And then when I started jujitsu, within the first two, three months, I was already down 17 pounds. And now I walk around between 140 and 145 on an average basis. So, mm-hmm. not saying that you're overweight or anything, but if you feel like you are, try jujitsu. It'll literally just yeah. shed those pounds off. Number one excuse for people that don't want to do jujitsu is I'm not fit enough for jujitsu. Well, I'll tell you what, nobody is fit enough for jujitsu. No. And the way you get there is by doing it. Yep. Jujitsu works for all body types. Literally, all body types have an advantage. Yep. They have some disadvantages, but they have an advantage based on what body they have. I had someone reach out to me recently, and they're like, "Oh, I'm really interested in trying it out." And I was like, "You absolutely should." He goes, "But I'm short and fat. I wouldn't fit in." And I was like, "No, you would fit in perfectly, and then you could get out everything that you want to get out. And then we would also find people who would fit your body type with you and work with you. So it's it really is for everyone, in my opinion. It doesn't yeah. matter what you what you weigh or anything. How tall you are, how short you are, yeah, how wide you are." Anything that defines your physical are, characteristics, it really doesn't matter. How hard-headed you are. 
Doesn't matter if you're a 225 pound dude and you got a girl on your back choking you, you're still gonna tap the same as anybody else. <laughs> yeah. But I don't really have any other remedies that we do personally. The fleas, the balm, massaging, breath, water. Love. <laughs> yeah. Her love definitely helps me heal, I'd say. Because she puts all of the love that she has into her cooking. Which, you know, makes both of our bodies healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I swear he'd probably still be too tired if I wasn't around. Because he doesn't cook. No. He would just eat mac and cheese all the time. Mac and cheese and chicken patties. Chicken nuggets. Yeah, the chicken patties are easier to make in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess diet, too. That's a big one. Yeah. Watch what you're eating. I know when we have a competition coming up, about three to four weeks ahead of it, we'll normally start our competition diet. And we get very high energy foods and greens and no more carbs or salts. Like we'll cut out all of that and just make our bodies ready and lean. And first we want to make the cut, but also you want to feel good when you're out there. And if you're just mm-hmm. eating all these carbs and cheese and green, you're gonna you're probably gonna be drained a little bit more than you should be. I remember there was one day where um, I had helped somebody move something earlier in the day, and then they took us to lunch, Buffalo Wild Wings, and I had a shit ton of wings. And then that was probably like in the afternoon, two or three. And Muay Thai starts at six. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I got into Muay Thai and I started doing it. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> my stomach was just full of chicken wings. So <laughs> and I could barely move. And then after that was jujitsu. And I was rolling around and everything was sloshing together with yeah. my, my Gatorade and That's my right. water. And I was like, huh. <laughs> And I did not feel good that day. That just happened on Thursday, too. We went out for a big lunch, and we ate yep. around 2. Muay Thai was around 6. And we I had, had a Nashville mac and Nashville chicken mac and cheese yep. with fried chicken mm-hmm. and some creamy, mm-hmm. you know, authentic mac and cheese. And that was delicious. Yep. And but it did not help me feel good <laughs> later in the day in training. Yeah, I did not eat that. I had a steak sandwich. But even I was still so full and so tired, and I was like, I'm not going to Muay Thai tonight. I'm not going to be anything useful. Plus, I was trying to give my sternum a break. But he was he comes home, and he's just like, oh, my God, Muay Thai was so difficult. He's like, my jumping jacks were not even jumping jacks. I'm like, maybe you should have given your body a rest or digested your food first. Yeah. But, it was so filling know. that we didn't even eat dinner that night. I think I just had cucumbers and ranch for dinner. So... I don't know, just watch your diet. It will help you with your training process a whole lot. And then it'll probably, I mean, if you are up to par with your training, then you're probably less prone to injuries too. Yeah. Yeah, the farther along in your journey you are, the more aware you are of where you can be injured and where you need to tap or where you need to move, mm-hmm. ultimately. So, you know, when you do begin, it's called a gentle art, but it doesn't feel like a gentle art at all. You know, it feels like people are trying to kill you. Of course they might be. They are. <laughs> you just tap before they actually kill you, and yeah. it's fine. <laughs> Even then, if you go out, typically people let go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are the main things we do to help out with a soreness. And oh yeah, I was gonna say Epsom Epsom salt bath mm-hmm. helped me out a lot too. I know before competition or after competition, I like to take an Epsom salt bath and just soak in that and relax. I know we have a couple of friends that have saunas that help them um, 
therapeutically with their muscles also. Saunas, hot tubs, things like that. Although I would not suggest doing that before a competition because it really dehydrates you. Well, I mean, just not too long. <laughs> and just drink water while you're in there. Yeah, drink water. Oh my god, I tell myself all the time. Back rule number one, drink some water. <laughs> there was a long point in our marriage where I would ask Brittany how much water she drank today, and then she would just walk in the kitchen with her head down <laughs> and go get a cup of water and be like, I drank one cup of water. <laughs> that still happens. Yeah. She'll be like, oh, I have a headache, or oh, this is sore, or I don't feel good. And I'll say, do you have any water today? And no. she'll be like, no. <laughs> the water is magic. I mean, we're at 70% water, right? Mm -hmm. At least. Me, I'm more so 50% you know, like coffee, 30% water. But coffee is just dirty being water anyways, so it's fine. Yeah. But I guess just a quick recap before we end it here is just drink water, give your body rest, stretch, warm up, give yourself, listen to your body. I guess just listen to your body the way that it needs to be listened to. So if you need to warm up to prevent injuries, do that. If you need to stretch to prevent soreness, do that. But drink water and... Eat healthy. Tap early, tap often. Tap early, tap often. Glow roll all the time. Yeah. Not even just for this type of uh, topic that we're talking about, the soreness and the injuries, but just glow roll. It helps. Yeah, pick a day or two up. where you're going to roll light throughout the week. <laughs> Instead of, you know, going balls to the wall all the time. Yeah. We actually have a full roll class once a week. Yeah, every Sunday. Cool. Noon. Yep. But yeah, so yeah, fun talk. We train out in Fluid Jiu Jitsu. That's in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a fun place to be. Um, yeah. Had a snowstorm today, so we didn't actually go to the gym today for our podcast. We're in our basement. That's right. Yep. It's our home gym. <laughs> which is fun. But. Yeah. So if you like this podcast, if you like this vlog, you know, leave a comment. Subscribe, share it with your friends, give us a nice rating. We'll come back next week with episode three. And I think we actually might have some special guests, another married couple, to participate in their contribution to life as a BJJ marriage. Yeah. So we'll find right. out. Well thanks guys. Thanks so much for watching. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye.